employees are looking for purpose. They're looking for more than a job, more than a paycheck in their day-to-day work. And so the ability for the organization to tie into that and have it be tied to the organization's purpose is important. That's Joris Weibkema talking about one of the foundational principles of operational excellence, the topic of discussion for today's episode of McKinsey Talks Operations, a podcast where the world's C-suite leaders and McKinsey experts cut through the noise and uncover how to create a new operational reality. I'm your host, Christian Johnson, and I'm here today with Ted Iverson, who's a senior expert in McKinsey's Seattle office. Welcome, Ted. Hi, Christian. Good to see you again. Ferran Pujol who's a partner in the Santiago office. Thank you for joining us, Ferran. Hi, Christian. And Joris Weibkema, who is a partner in our Chicago office. Welcome, Joris. Hi, Christian. Happy to be here. We wanted to get started here today to talk about, first, what do we mean by operational excellence? That can obviously mean many different things to many different people, but when we see it in the world, what do we mean by it? Yeah, Christian, happy to take that one. Maybe, first of all, it's important to say what it's not. It's not a particular set of outcomes or performance numbers. If you're talking about a manufacturing setting, it's not about what your scrap rate is or what your capacity utilization is. That, of course, those type of metrics are often the goal. But what operational excellence looks like is really a consistent way of working. It's a consistent way of working that delivers on the goals, really activating the entire organization to continuously get better every day at achieving that organization's purpose. So it's really a set of culture, behaviors, mindsets, daily practices that is intimately tied to the organization's reason for being. I'll add on top of that, that what we've really seen in the last few years is two elements becoming more and more important as part of that operational excellence framework employees are looking for purpose. They're looking for more than a job, more than a paycheck in their day-to-day work. And so the ability for the organization to tie into that and have it be tied to the organization's purpose is important. And the second one is more seamless application of technology in a way that respects the humans in the organization, but is also tied to a level of maturity that organizations have in their operational practices. That sounds like a great way to introduce it. What does it look and feel like on the ground? Well, I can help with that one. Thanks, Ted. So in those kind of environments that yours talked about, we often have frontline individuals who are very personally connected to what's going on. And all the way through the organization, there's a level of enthusiasm and connection through that purpose. What is the good that we do as an organization? And what is my role in that as a frontline worker? It's common to hear levels of enthusiasm that make it sound like these people are actually in different areas of of the firm. They sometimes sound exactly like the vice president over their division in level of enthusiasm and engagement and understanding about their organization at the top level. But then they can drop that down into, here's what I do to contribute. And you can really see the value and the worth that they have as one of those key contributors. So let me think right now about how this might translate, because when I hear things like enthusiasm in the organization, people sounding like they're the vice president, you know, they're sounding engaged wherever they are at the organization. That sounds almost like a a mission. And what we're talking about, though, in most cases is 
it might be a private sector business. It might be a big government organization. This is not something that's a charity, right? How do you get that enthusiasm and that sense of purpose for something that is just an ordinary business in many from the outsider's point of view? Yeah. Again, the clients, some that we're working with in South America are actually owned by the country and mining operations that have been in existence for a long time. And their level of connection to that purpose involved calculating if we can be this much better, if we can produce this much more copper, how many more tuition scholarships can we provide to university students? How many more schools can we build? And that then connection and the feeling inside their organization becomes very heartfelt because they know individuals receive those scholarships. They have family members who have been in hospitals and their ability to then say, okay, we need to be this much better truly has that personal connection with what they're doing. And that's just one example. Another great way, I think, of increasing the sense of purpose for employees in an organization, one that we've seen very often, is tying it to how the product or service impacts the customer on many businesses. And what is it enabling that customer to do? Yeah, an example of what Yoris is explaining is uh, in a pulp and paper company, they translated how many plastic bags they avoid that they are used basically by each ton of pulp that the operators produce. So the operator is able to link very specifically because today I produced an additional ton of pulp. So basically this way, so many thousands of, of plastic bags were not used. So we have this idea of turning purpose into operations. What are some of the things that companies can do to try to make that relationship more clear? What do they need to do to sustain that ongoing commitment? A lot of organizations have many good initiatives that they're working on, but spending some time cascading that purpose down through their organization to each layer and asking, how does this particular layer of the organization contribute? and getting that feedback from those folks. But then is it reflected in my KPIs and the measurables that you're holding me accountable for? And if we have measurables that are not connected to those elements of purpose, then we need to ask ourselves, you know, is there an opportunity to better align these? Are these the right measurements? Am I holding my people accountable for moving in directions that are aligned with the overall organization? So it it begins that process of of helping us to be able to look at strategy at each level and prioritize as well as create that alignment. Another good way that we've seen is putting in touch the operators with sales representatives or customers or the recipients of the help that these companies can provide to NGOs. So having sales representatives visit the plants and explains what the feedback the customers gives about the product is very powerful as well to get this sense of purpose in the operators. In most organizations that you've worked with, how well do senior executives understand what is really, number one, the purpose of the organization, and then number two, what that purpose means operationally for the frontline worker, for the people that we need to inspire on a day-to-day basis? I think executives often struggle with that. I think if you ask them, they will be able to articulate what the organization's purpose is. And I think they would have a high-level idea of 
you push them around what that could mean for the employees. I think where it often falls apart a bit is in the actual translation of what's in the executive's mind to connecting it to people on the shop floor in their day-to-day work. And what are some of the consequences of getting this wrong? I mean, this is one of the things that I think is important for us to convey here. It's what happens to the organization that isn't getting this quite right, isn't examining what its purpose is and translating that purpose to the front line. You know, even combining with the URS's comment, there is an example that illustrates what you asked, Christian. An organization a few years ago that I was working with multiple steel processing centers in the United States, and their purpose or mission was to constantly increase shareholder value, right? As an outcome of that, of course, not a lot of frontline folks involved. Shareholder value doesn't really connect to them very specifically. And I questioned them after we'd been to three or four of their sites. I questioned them. What is your purpose? What inspires people? And they said, we're increasing shareholder value. And that's a good thing. And and it is. It's a good thing. But I indicated, if you're doing that, I don't understand why you have so many U.S.-based sites. Why have you not escaped to lower cost labor environments, less restrictive environments. Why this? And they said, well, our customers are located in these areas and we have excellent, talented people that are very dedicated and knowledgeable. And and all of a sudden they started describing this respect for customers, respect for people. And as they said it, they realized that is really what our purpose is, isn't it? We are actually connecting with customers, respecting our talent and our capability and preserving that. And by doing all of those things, then of course, yes, we are increasing shareholder value. And what were some of the things that this unblocked? Are there specific things that you remember that they were suddenly able to do to resolve? Even simple things like number of ideas coming from frontline employees, improvements affecting their own work, suggestions on how to improve products. Those kinds of frontline generated, implemented ideas increased dramatically just as we started to talk differently about what our real purpose was. We essentially put more weight toward the front of the organization for improvement, and they readily accepted it. And this is something that I think we want to highlight because of another factor here, right? And that is so many organizations are struggling with technology. And one of the statistics we often hear is a majority, in fact, a very large majority of organizations and of senior executives are dissatisfied with their investments in technology. Their investments aren't paying off the way that they had expected them to. And so how does that statistic potentially relate to some of the problems, the disconnects that we've described here? Yeah, Christine, what we've seen is that companies that follow operational excellence principles to guide technology adoption, as opposed to prioritizing by impact and feasibility, achieve more impact. But but what's more important is that this impact is sustained over time. So for example, a mining company followed the end-to-end value stream thinking principle by linking the mine and the plant with artificial intelligence and using artificial intelligence models to optimize the entire value stream. Another company that was deploying artificial intelligence, they followed the respect every individual principle by choosing models that were interpretable so that the operators could understand the causality links between 
of the recommendations from the models. So they felt at the center of the change. So a counterexample of that is a company that implemented 150 use cases and to different sites, prioritizing by impact and feasibility. So they had a great impact, but the impact was not sustained over time. Okay. And that's because there was this disconnect between the technology being implemented and the worker's ability to make improvements on that technology over time. Is that it? Exactly. So there's this adoption point of workers not being connected to the technology, not feeling they're the central part of this technology adoption, but also the technology was not really integrated with the processes. And this results in low adoption and people stop using the technology over time. Got it. And can we look at a couple of different ways that operations excellence would work in different types of settings? So we've described a couple of of examples here. We've talked about mining. We've talked about metals. How does operational excellence look and feel if we are in, say, a financial institution, for example, versus, say, in manufacturing? So in a financial institution, of course, most of the time you have pretty good visibility of who the customer is and how you're serving them. The key becomes that movement from activity toward outcomes and understanding how those outcomes then are affecting our customers and what the impact of that is. Examples could include a life insurance company that I was on site with that uh, had started to realize that everybody who is collecting on one of those policies has probably just experienced one of the most impactful events of their life with the death of a loved one. And as they started to envision individuals How many deep in my queue, if I've got 70 claims to process, these are 70 people that have just been through that significant life challenge. How do I change our process? How do I make things better so that we can not take three weeks, not take two weeks, but actually process claims on the same day as when all of that information is provided and do less than a 24-hour turnaround? And and you still see that same level of heartfelt engagement, if if not so even more, because people realize that, you know, instead of being a drag on this individual's life and creating another obstacle, you are actually freeing them from many obstacles by helping with that financial resource as quickly and effortlessly as possible. That's fantastic. So I think one thing we also want to get across, regardless of the type of organization, is How do you get started here? What's normally the biggest issue that companies need to start with? And then what's the sequence here to really get going in in understanding your operational excellence journey? Christina, I think one of the most important things for people to get started is to really get a good understanding of what is good or what does great really look like. And there's so many opportunities nowadays to get to know that better and to really feel it and internalize it. There are assessments available that you can do, but there's also go and sees. There's opportunities to see in other companies and really walk the shop floor and experience what it's like for companies that have gone through that journey and have achieved quite high levels of operational excellence and to see how does that difference engage with the employees, talk to them until you've kind of seen, fit, felt, tasted, and touched it, it doesn't quite have the same meaning as reading about it or even us talking about it today. What sorts of innovations are we seeing from companies that have been 
really good at operational excellence. So one of our favorite places to do go and see, ask themselves the question of how do we reduce the distance that our products travel? And, and part of their products have to go through a plating operation. Well, typically plating is done in a completely separate environment, completely separate building because of the harsh chemicals, some of the hazardous waste that's involved in those processes. This particular company found ways to be able to change their plating process so that they could actually do it in the assembly area in a very customized, you know, right-sized application of equipment that uh, is safer than it ever was before and now avoids all of that additional travel and effort to get things back and forth. And so you see one example is plating in an area that plating would have never existed and still in the metals industry. I have companies that tell me you can't do that and I can show them it's happening right here and these people are happy to talk to you about it. Ferran, Joris, any great stories that you've seen? Maybe one example at the Pop and Paper Company, they were able to use technology through the lens of operational excellence and link processes that were disconnected before, like the forestry with the harvesting and then the pulp plants. So they were able to do that by using technology, by but following the principles. And the results were that the operators at the end were able to make decisions from the forestry through the plant. So they were much more empowered the level of decisions that they were making were much more broader, which much more impact than in the past. So we've talked a lot about what operational excellence is in terms of purpose, in terms of technology. But another question is, why now? So what's happening that requires this refocus on the approach to management here? So unfortunately, we think that a lot of companies have actually lost their way a little bit in their focus on operational excellence. I think the last five to seven years driven by two things. One is the excitement around technology, but it has been a little bit around the shiny object, not necessarily really integrated in operational excellence. We've seen people divert traditional continuous improvements, resources, and people focused on operational excellence to more technology deployment with very mixed results as we were talking about. And the other piece is the pandemic and the struggle that people have had in just keeping operations going, dealing with crises, logistics constraints, supply constraints, labor constraints. And that has put a lot of pressure on organizations that has often taken away as well from a focus on good foundational operational excellence practices. Very understandable, but at the same time, we believe this is so core and important to organizations' health and performance for many decades to come. And so we as an institution are very committed to really bringing this back on the map. And so I think you're going to see us talk a lot, publish a lot, and do a lot more research in this area and bring people together around this topic to make sure it gets the renewed attention it deserves. Complementing Yoris here. So we see that with uh, traditional operational excellence, we now have available really powerful tools. So we have technology that we can combine with operational excellence. We also see that society has changed priorities and we can have these priorities in, in companies' purpose and have them connect well with the operators. So this topic, we believe, is really important now. It can be as important as Lean was at this time or the beginning of the, the technology deployment. So that's why we are starting conversations with CEOs to have reflections about this topic. We are discussing with the experts internally and externally. And it's it's a topic that we're passionate about and that we want to help disseminate in the business community. 
Excellent. And I'd like to thank our guests again for joining us today. First to Ted. Thanks so much, Christian. Ferran. Thank you, Christian. It's been a pleasure. And Joris. Thank you very much, Christian. Thank you so much. You've been listening to McKinsey Talks Operations with me, Christian Johnson. And if you like what you've heard, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. We'll be back with a brand new episode in a couple of weeks.